On this episode of Mix and Some Magic, I'm answering all of your burning Disney questions. You asked, I'm answering your top Disneyland questions coming right up. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Melissa with Mix and Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Hello and welcome back to Mix and Some Magic. If you are watching this on YouTube or on Spotify video, you may notice that I am not in my office slash podcast recording studio. I am in my closet. I've been kicked out of my office. My son has moved home to save some money before he gets married. And so for the next couple of months, I have no place to record except for my closet. So I have hung up these gorgeous white curtains behind me. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, there's a fly in here. Ugh, great. I'm trapped in here with a fly. We'll see how this goes. Anyway, I've hung up these gorgeous white curtains behind me, and I ironed them before I hung them up, but this side on my left looks like I have not ironed it at all, and the right side looks pretty good. But I want you to know that I ironed both sides and I thought I did a pretty good job on both sides, but now that they're hanging, the left side looks terrible. Oh my gosh, that fly is going to drive me nuts. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think I can do this, even with the fly in the room. It's just buzzing around my head. If you are watching this on video, <laughs> gosh, stop. Okay. I think I can do it. I'm just going to pretend like there's not a fly trapped in here with me. It's going to be fine. So for the next couple of months, I have no office, no recording studio, and I'm stuck in my closet, which is fine. Just pretend like this is the backdrop you want to be looking at. It's not like my backdrop was that great to begin with. <laughs> so I think this is going to be fine. I really do. Um, maybe I can somehow digitally put in something cool in the back. That seems like a lot of effort, which I probably won't go to, but you never, you never know. Good news though, when I do get my Disney office back, since I have all my stuff moved out so my son could move back in, I am going to redecorate the whole thing and make it amazing. Before I had just like thrown a desk in there and called it good. But I want to make this like a really great Disney office, but I also don't want to spend very much money on it. Uh, is it possible to make a great Disney office with minimal spending. I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm kind of thinking a fantasy land type theme because I love fantasy land at Disneyland. I love kind of those colors associated with fantasy land. They're kind of the colors associated with my website and my logo. So I'm kind of thinking something like just whimsical fantasy land style. And I don't know how to achieve that because I am not an interior decorator. I I need to paint. I'm going to need some curtains. Uh, this Disney slash podcasting office of mine is also going to double as our guest room. Uh, we don't have a lot of guests, so that's good. But I'm thinking maybe 
I need a couch in there that pulls out into a bed. I don't know. So many ideas in my head. If you are good with things like that, please let me know. I need help. If you have any thoughts about how I can cheaply make my Disney office great, then please send me a DM on Instagram. Send me an email at mixinsomagic at gmail.com. Tell me your ideas. This fly is super distracting. I might have to get out the fly swatter. What have you been up to the last week? I have been busy with my peach tree. If you've been here for a while, you know I have an apricot tree, which doesn't always give us apricots, but when it does, it gives us so many apricots. But that's not the case with my peach tree. So I have a little peach tree. It still gives us quite a few peaches, though, and the peaches are ready. They're a little late this year because the weather's been weird, but the peaches are ready, and I've been canning peaches, and I made a peach crisp. I'm going to make some peach fruit leather tomorrow and some other kind of peach dessert. And then I'm going to freeze a bunch of peaches too that we can use in smoothies and stuff. So our little peach tree is a trooper because it is very small. And it, I have canned 42 quarts of peaches, which that's a ton for my little tree. So I've been doing that. I really enjoy my peaches. I like canning them. The whole thing just it's like magic to me. You plant this tree and then it grows and fruit appears. It's magical. And then you can eat it. I don't know. I know it sounds silly, but I really feel like gardening is magical. I love it. So I've got my peaches. My apple trees are not doing great. They're still tiny, so I don't get a lot of apples. But my neighbor gets a ton of apples and she lets me come and steal her apples. So I went over and got a bunch of her apples. So I'm going to make some apple pie filling and can that. I'm going to make apple crisp and I'm going to make some applesauce and can that. So I have a couple more days of canning and then that'll be it for a little while. I've got raspberry bushes that I'm getting raspberries from every day, and I'm going to make jam once I have enough of those. That's what I've been up to, is I've been doing Disney and canning. That's what I do. All things Disney, all things canning. That's my life the last week, and it's been fun. I enjoy it. I know a lot of people just totally hate the idea of canning, but I love it. I love the idea that I can grow something and can it for free because I have all the supplies and then I can fill my shelves with all of these jars. It's just so satisfying. So satisfying to me. All right, let's move on. Enough about me. I hope you've been having a great week. I hope you're getting stuff done. I hope you're relaxing. I don't know, whatever you want to do. I hope you're doing it. Over on my Instagram, usually on Mondays, I will put up a 20 questions box in my stories and I'll answer the first 20 questions that I receive. And I really like doing this because I can answer a bunch of questions, but then at the same time, I feel really, really guilty because I can't answer all of the questions. I wish I could, but I'll get like 100, 150 questions and I just don't have the time to answer all of them. And so then I feel guilty about not answering all the questions. Uh, I don't know. I Should I feel guilty? Maybe. I just feel bad. If someone takes the time to ask me a question, I should answer. But sometimes I just can't get to all of them. So I decided to do this 20 question episode. I put up a 
podcast question box over on my Instagram stories. I'm going to answer some of those questions. And then I'm answering some of my most asked questions that I see all the time when I do 20 questions over on my Instagram page. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm kind of excited. I think it'll be fun. I think it will be informative because these questions that I get over and over and over and over again are probably questions that you have too. So this will be a great way to answer them all in one place. And even if you haven't thought of these questions yourself, maybe it will answer something for you or give you some clarity or some ideas about something that maybe you didn't even know that you were wondering about and needed to know. That's my hope. But first, I want to read a review that came in for my podcast. I appreciate reviews so much. When reviews come in, it helps my podcast grow. So really, that's one of the very best, if not the only way that my podcast can grow is if people review it, because then it shows up higher in search things. When people are searching for podcasts, it will Apple or Google or Spotify, whatever it is, will show people my podcast in the search results. But if people don't rate and review my podcast, then it doesn't show them. So when people do leave a review, either a written review through Apple or just a review through Spotify, it makes such a huge difference for me and I appreciate it. And I know it's just a simple thing for my listeners to do, but still it takes time out of your day. And so when I do get a review, it makes me so happy and so appreciative because I know that it takes time and I know you're busy and you have other things to do, better things to do, honestly, with your life than review my podcast. So when you do, ah, it just warms my heart. Is that silly to say? but it's so true. This review is from Mrs. Max 1114. It says informative and relatable. I started listening to this podcast once we booked our first trip to Disneyland for this winter. Her everyday life narratives are so relatable and the Disney info is very helpful. She has a great rodeo voice, so soothing. Her pleasant attitude makes you feel like you can reach out to her for specific questions, which I will definitely do. Thank you for creating this podcast. I can't wait till our trip. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Max1114. I appreciate your review. Really, truly, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, this fly is making me nuts. I'm going to lose my mind. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to see if I can get rid of the fly. And when we come back, I'm answering the top 20 questions that I've gotten lately all about Disneyland and a couple about my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, when I said that, it just sounded so stupid. <laughs> My personal life. Do I have a personal life? I don't. I don't even think I do. I don't know. And like anybody cares. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. But I'm going to answer a couple of personal questions. Okay. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mix and Some Magic. If you are visiting Disneyland anytime in September or October, you're going to be there for Halloween time, which is so exciting. There is so much going on at the Disneyland Resort during Halloween time, and you are going to absolutely love it. However, it can be overwhelming to visit during Halloween time because for the same reason that it's exciting to go, it can be overwhelming with all of the things going on. I don't want you to miss out 
or to feel stressed about your upcoming vacation. So I have created a complete guide to Disneyland during Halloween time. It's essentially a Halloween workshop. It's over on my Instagram for my subscribers. And there's two videos that walk you through everything you need to know about visiting Disneyland during Halloween time. They're about 45 minutes each. So all this information is in one little place. You can just watch those videos and you're going to feel 100% confident about your upcoming Disneyland vacation. You're going to know what you want to eat, where you want to go, what entertainment you want to see. You're going to get insider tips. Plus, we talk about rope dropping, Genie Plus, all of the other things you need to know when visiting Disneyland. It's going to be helpful for you. Plus, if you're one of my subscribers, we're also starting a book club. We started this September. It's a Disneyland book club, and I am so excited. I just started reading the book that is our book club selection for this month, and it's really good. So if you want to be a part of our Disney book club, come and join us. We're going to do a Zoom call every month, and we're going to chit-chat about the book and about life, about other things. If you're looking to make connections with other Disney people, this is a great way to do it. We all need friends. And if you can have a Disney friend, that's even better. So come and join us over on my subscribers on Instagram. It's $4.99 for the month and you get the Disney workshop for Halloween time. You're also getting the book club and I do a deep dive every single month on a different topic or attraction or land. Kind of just depends on the month we do a vote. So you get that as well. And I will also be doing a workshop for the holidays, which are coming up quickly. So jump on over to Instagram, join my subscribers. It's really fun over there. And I can't wait for our book club. Ah, this month is going to be awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. I think you're going to love it. All right, we're back. I went to let this fly out. And it's like it knew what I was up to. And now it's hiding. I can't find it anywhere. And this is not a big closet. So the fly is still in here with me. We're just going to have to deal with it. I can't find it anywhere. Maybe it snuck out when I wasn't paying attention. We will find out. But I'm ready to answer your top 20 Disneyland questions. I think this is going to be fun and hopefully informative for you. Okay, question number one. Do you know where I can rent a regular stroller, not a park stroller? So I know a lot of people have problems with the park strollers because they are not comfortable. They're just hard plastic that your child is sitting on. Plus, they don't have very much storage and you can't take them off Disneyland property. So at the end of the night when your kid is tired and asleep in their stroller, you have to unload them and return the stroller and then carry them back to your hotel or carry them to the art shuttle or to the Uber or however you're getting home, you're going to be carrying your sleepy, cranky child. So a lot of people prefer to bring their own stroller or to rent from an off-site company. So when my kids were little and we were using strollers, I always just brought my own stroller because it was the cheapest option 
to save money, I brought my own stroller. But if you don't want to bring your own stroller and you don't want to rent from Disneyland, there are off-site options. My favorite one is OC Baby Gear. They have strollers, all kinds, single strollers, double strollers. They also have other baby products that you can rent and they will deliver it to your hotel and then pick it up from your hotel when you're all done. So you show up at your hotel ready for your vacation and your stroller is there waiting for you. It's a great option, especially because you can just take your stroller back to your hotel. You don't have to unload all of your junk from it at the end of the night and leave it at the park. So I love OC Baby Gear. I have a link for them I will put in the show notes. And I also have a discount code can't remember what it is at the top of my head, but I will put that in the show notes as well so you can check it out if you're interested. Okay, question number two. I'm confused about rope dropping. Do I have to stay on property to rope drop? I get this question all the time. A lot of people confuse rope dropping with early entry. So early entry is something that is available to Disneyland Resort guests. So guests staying on Disneyland property, they get to enter the parks 30 minutes before the parks officially open to start enjoying select attractions. Now, just a little side note, early entry is changing in January. It's going to be one park per, like depending on the day, it will rotate or alternate. Um, but right now, guests can choose which park they want to visit, hotel, on-property guests. And it's going to change in January where they will be assigned a park for early entry each day. So when that happens, it's going to kind of change how rope dropping works a little bit. And I will cover all of that when, when it gets closer. We'll do that later when it's closer. I don't want to confuse people right now. But right now, early entry is for, oh, there's the fly. I found it. You guys, it like hides for me. And then as soon as I start talking, it comes out and buzzes around my head. I don't understand. I don't even, I lost my train of thought completely. I have no idea. No idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, no, you don't have to be on property rope drop. Staying on property and getting that benefit is called early entry. And that is completely different from rope dropping. Anybody can rope drop and I highly recommend it because it's a great way to get on multiple attractions very quickly without waiting in long lines. So anyone can rope drop. I have a ton, a ton of rope dropping tips because there's a there's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it. The bad way to do it is to rope drop Rise of the Resistance or Peter Pan or Cars, Radiator Springs Racers. You don't want to rope drop those because everybody rope drops those. I don't know who, why do people think that's a good idea? I still can't even wrap my brain around it. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Anything else really is great for rope dropping. So with rope dropping, you're just going to want to arrive at security about 45 minutes, 45 to 60 minutes before the parks officially open. You're going to get through security. You're going to get through the ticket booths. They'll let you into the parks about 30 minutes early. And then you're going to be able to line up in front of wherever you're going and head to that attraction, whatever your first attraction is, and get it on. Get it on. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so struggling this episode. It's this fly. It's like throwing me off. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. You're gonna be able you're gonna be able to stop. Have you ever sat in a room by yourself and laughed uncontrollably? It's ridiculous. Okay, I'm not that funny. I gotta get it together. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. 
you're going to be able to get on whatever attraction you're heading to super quickly. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Everything's fine. I have a whole video on YouTube about rope dropping that is super helpful, very informative, and gives you everything you need to know. I think it's only like eight or nine minutes. So it's well worth your eight or nine minutes to figure out how to rope drop and do it effectively. So I'm going to put a link to information about rope dropping. I'll put the link from my website. I've got a lot of info there and a link to my YouTube video about rope dropping. So you can check that out. Okay. Next question. How are you since the car accident? Oh, thank you for asking. I don't know. We're good. It like brings up a lot of feelings when we talk about the car accident. Um, if you're not aware, we were in a car accident maybe a month ago, three weeks ago. Very recently, we were on the freeway and a car, a truck pulling a trailer came over without, you know, checking their blind spot, I guess. I don't know what he was doing. He came over and hit our car and it pushed us into other cars and spun us around and we had to be like cut out of our vehicle, all the airbags deployed, the firefighters had to get us out. Um, it was so awful and so terrifying. We had to go, to, we all went to the hospital and it was just a lot, but everybody's doing good. Everyone's healing up, but it is really, I, I don't know. It's hard to be on the freeway or even in the car at all. Every time I'm in the car, I am anxious and nervous. All of us are who were in the accident. We get stressed, especially when we see people like going so fast and weaving in and out of traffic. There's just no reason for it. And I always tell my husband, when we see people doing those things, I always say, you can tell they've never been in a car accident because once you've been in a car accident, then you I think it makes you more cautious. You know what can happen. And so I feel anxious when I'm driving in the car, um, especially I was in an Uber a couple of weeks ago after I was going to the airport from Disneyland and the Uber driver, she was being very safe, but her car was making kind of a strange noise. I thought maybe it was normal for her car. We were on the freeway and I started getting really anxious about being in her car. I could not wait to get out of her car. I kept thinking, what if I'm in an accident here? I like, don't have any family here. Like, what, What's going to happen if we crash on this freeway right here, right now? That gets stressful. And I think that in time, those feelings will get better, I think. So we just have a lot of anxiety right now. Luckily, the guy who hit us took full responsibility, and his insurance has been really easy to work with. So that was good. Our car was totaled, so we got a new one to replace it, which is good, I guess. I mean, we needed a new car. It was an old car, but I still, I miss my old car. I, I, it's nice to have a newer car. We also have a car payment, which is not nice. Not enjoying that, but... I just feel like I didn't have the choice and that makes me annoyed. Does that make sense? Like we had to get another vehicle because this guy came over and smashed up our car and gave us all anxiety problems. And so I just don't like that we didn't have the choice. Like it was required because we have to be able to drive around. And so I felt like my choice to get a new vehicle, like when I wanted to get one was taken away. And so that annoys me. So whenever I'm in our new car, I have anxiety 
and then I'm grateful for our new car, but then I'm also annoyed that we have a new car. So that's how we're doing. But thank you for asking. My daughter did bring home a permission form from her one of her classes at school. They are doing an accident simulator. And I don't really understand how it works, but they like put them in some sort of device that kind of rolls down this little hill and it's supposed to simulate being in a car accident. I was like, you're not doing that. hundred percent. You're not doing that. So she's going to be skipping that activity at school. Ugh, I can't even imagine simulating an accident. I can see how it's beneficial, but not for someone who was just recently in a car accident. We don't need to her to relive the worst moments of her short little life in front of all the other kids at school. So she will be missing out on that activity, and I feel really good about that choice. But anyway, I, now I'm just rambling, but thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Next question says, what are some must-pack items when you're visiting Disneyland? So many. I have so many must-pack items because I like to have anything I could possibly need or want. It makes me feel good and in control when I have everything with me so I can be prepared. It just makes me feel prepared and I like to feel prepared. So I pack just about anything for any circumstance and that's how I like it. A, a few months ago though, my friend convinced me to just take a carry-on and so I had to really scale down what I was taking to Disneyland. And I have to tell you, I hated it. I hated the whole thing. I hated the packing process. I was annoyed the whole time I was there because I kept thinking, oh, I need this. I don't have it. I need this. I wish I had brought those other shoes, but I couldn't fit them in. I wish I had my shampoo, but I decided to use the hotel shampoo. All those little things that really probably don't make a difference. They made a difference for me on my trip because I like to have what I want to have. And I know some people are really, really good at just packing light and go with the flow and don't care about any of that. That's not me. I decided right then and there, I'm never taking a carry-on, like only a carry-on again. I'm taking my checked bag. I'm packing what I want to have, and I'm going to be happy about it. So that's what I do. Now I pack everything. And I recently finally wrote down everything that I take to Disneyland because for years I would just wing it and throw everything in. I'm a last minute packer, so I throw everything in, always forget something. Like, why don't I write this down? So I made myself a list and I recently wrote down the list. I put it on my website. There's a printable version. So if you want the list, then I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You can click on that, print it out, and then you can have everything because I like to be prepared. I need my sunglasses. I need a couple different pairs of shoes. I need my Advil. I like to have Band-Aids. You never know when you're going to need a Band-Aid, but it comes in handy. So I feel like my bag is like the Mary Poppins bag. You know how she can like reach in and rummage around and pull out just anything and everything? That's what my Disneyland park bag is like. <laughs> and my suitcase. I just bring a lot of stuff and then I feel prepared. So if you want to feel prepared, I've got a printable packing list. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can check that out. This question says, what is the best month to visit Disneyland weather-wise? This is tricky because everyone kind of assumes that Disneyland, which is in California, has just mild weather all the time. And lots of times they do, but lots of times it's very hot and it can also get really cold and they also do have a rainy season. So it's kind of hard to guess when the perfect weather will be. Now, usually January and February are chilly, 
and they can be rainy sometimes. I love to visit in January and February, even December too, because I like to wear sweatshirts and jackets and I bring a hat. I have the cutest Mickey Mouse beanie that I love to wear at the parks. So I prefer to be a little cold at the parks. Not cold, but you know, I can bundle up and then I'm warm. So I also don't mind a little rain at Disneyland. So I like to visit in January, February-ish for weather-wise because I think it's cooler. And if there is a little bit of rain, it clears out the parks a bit. And I have all the rain gear that I could possibly need because I pack it. So I have a lot of great rain gear when I go if I need it. And so the rain has never been a problem because I come prepared. Now, once you get into March, the rainy season isn't as rainy and the weather is pretty nice. So March and April have really nice weather. It's usually like perfect temperatures during the day. Evenings might get a tiny bit chilly. You can wear a jacket. Once you hit into head into May, it starts getting a little bit warmer. And by the time you get into June, July, August, September, October, then it is very warm. So people really don't understand that Disneyland gets awfully hot. June usually isn't terribly hot, but July, August, and September are the hottest months. So when people start planning their Halloween visit and thinking they're going to get this crisp, cool fall air and wear their boots and their scarves to Disneyland, that's not happening. You're going to be warm, warm, warm. So September is usually quite hot. Then comes October, and that usually has decent weather because it's cooling down. So during the days will be warm. Evenings can sometimes get a little chilly. November is usually a nice time to visit because it is not as hot and you get those cooler evenings, which are nice in November and December. Now, that being said, you never know what's going to happen. Like sometimes February is hot. I've seen temperatures get up to like 98, 99 degrees in February at Disneyland, which is insane. Sometimes it rains, heavy, heavy rains in the summer. You just don't know what the weather is going to be like. So you have to, if you're planning your trip around weather, it's difficult to do is what I'm saying. So I would not make the weather your number one factor when choosing when to visit, although it is nice to take into consideration. Because if you know that you don't do well in heat, then you're probably not going to want to go June through mid-October. You're going to want to choose a different time. So I have a whole list on each month of the year at Disneyland that talks about the average weather. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. It talks about what you can expect each month of the year. What are some reoccurring events that usually happen? And there's a crowd calendar on there, so you can check all of that out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Next question says, what was your career before this? Are you able to make a living as a Disney influencer now? Um, I'm able to make a living if I die Thursday. Then it's going to be just fine. Um... Before this, I wouldn't say I had a career. I just did a lot of different things. Mostly I took care of my kids when they were little. It made more sense economically when my kids were little for me to stay home with them because childcare for four kids is incredibly expensive. I don't know if you've looked into that, but it is pricey. So it made more sense for me to stay home with them when they were little. And I often did little things to just make extra money, make ends meet when they were little. I ran a little preschool from my home for a couple of years. I 
ran a little bakery from my home for a couple of years. That was really fun. I just made all kinds of little treats and sold them and people bought them. It was awesome. And then, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, my friend had an Etsy shop and she looked to me like she needed some help. So I asked if I could come work for her. I started doing her customer service and a lot of the back end stuff with her Etsy shop. And so I did that for a few years. And while I was doing that, I started mixing some magic because I thought, man, look at her. She's doing great. She started her own business, doing awesome. I think I could do that. So I started mixing some magic and then it kind of got to the point where working for her was holding me back with mixing some magic. So I quit her Etsy shop, which was really sad, but it was the right move. And I've been doing Mix and Some Magic full-time ever since. So I think maybe for the past two and a half years, I've been doing it full-time, which has been great. And I've definitely seen a ton of growth in those last two and a half years. Um, but I would not say that I'm making a full-time income. <laughs> definitely not. I hope sometime to be making a full-time income because I am working 40 to 50 hours a week, but it just takes a really long time to grow a business. And I always think about if you watch The Office, then Michael Scott, he starts the Michael Scott Paper Company and Oscar his the accountant that works in the office is telling him what a bad idea it is to go off on his own and start his own company. And Oscar's telling him most businesses fail and most businesses don't make a profit for the first five years. Are you prepared to not make a profit, not have an income for the next five years? And I always think about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true that businesses don't make a profit for the first five years, but it feels true. So I guess the answer is yes, I do make some money, not very much, but it's definitely not a full-time income. Maybe someday. You just never know. I do really enjoy doing this. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy answering people's questions. I enjoy putting out this podcast. It's probably my favorite thing that I do. I enjoy building my website. So I enjoy my job, which makes it easy to put in the 40, 50 hours a week that I do, even though I'm not seeing my return on investment. I'm hoping that someday I will, but even if I don't, I'm still enjoying it and it keeps me busy. So I enjoy that as well. Next question is, what are the best sit-down meals and any tips to get into the popular ones like Blue Bayou? There are a lot of good sit-down options. My favorites are probably Cafe Orleans. I like Cafe Orleans. I really like Carnation Cafe. I like Lamplight Lounge, especially for brunch, which is only on the weekends. And I also like, I like Blue Bayou, but it is very expensive. So I like Blue Bayou occasionally. Riverbell Terrace is great. It's not hard to get those reservations. I think it's kind of overlooked. A lot of people are kind of down on Riverbell Terrace, but I've always liked it. So those are my favorite ones. There's really not a ton of like table service options at Disneyland. Whereas at Walt Disney World, there's a ton of options, but not so much at Disneyland. Dining reservations become available at Disneyland 60 days in advance, supposedly. That's what Disney says, although they are not consistent with dropping dining reservations, so it can be kind of frustrating. So a lot of people will 
you know, as soon as the 60 day mark hits, they'll jump on the website or on the app and check for reservations and they're still not there. I've had it be like 55 days out before reservations drop. So they're not consistent and there's not a consistent time that reservations become available either, which is also a little frustrating. You just have to keep checking back. Now, if there's a specific dining reservation that you really want that you're not able to book on your own, I recommend checking out mouse dining, or even if you don't want to check back at, you know, on the Disneyland app or website every 30 minutes while you're waiting for reservations to drop, check out mouse dining. They're this great service that you can put in your date and where you want to eat, when you want to eat, and they will send you a notification via text or email when that reservation becomes available. So I have had really great luck scoring dining reservations using mouse dining. It kind of takes the pressure and the guesswork out of it. So that is a great option, or you can just keep checking back often. Reservations often become available 24 hours beforehand because people will drop their reservations. So keep checking back even you know a few hours before, or you can always go to the restaurant itself and ask if they have walk-up available. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but it's always worth checking. Okay, I'm not sure what number we're on, but the next question says, do you think Runaway Railway will be added to Genie Plus and any tips on using Genie Plus? I am pretty positive that eventually they're going to add Runaway Railway to Genie Plus, which will be great. I can see that happening soon. When they do, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they upped the cost of Genie Plus as well. Because keep in mind, places like Knott's Berry Farm and Universal Studios all have a Genie Plus equivalent and they charge $100 or more per day for the same service that Disney has offered right now at $25 if you book it in advance. Sometimes more, depending on when you visit, if you buy it once you arrive in the park. So it wouldn't surprise me if they up the cost when they do add Runaway Railway. We'll have to wait and see. Um, tips on using Genie Plus, yes. I have so many. My number one tip is probably please understand how to use Genie Plus. If you don't know how to use it, you're going to waste your money. So Genie Plus at Disneyland is much more efficient and effective than it is at Disney World, especially if you know what you're doing. So take some time to figure out how to use Genie Plus. You'll feel more confident. You'll know that you're doing it correctly and you're not wasting your time or your money. So I have a whole podcast episode about how to use Genie Plus. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. Please listen to it before you use Genie Plus. It'll just make it so much easier and I don't want you to waste your money because it is expensive. Those costs do add up. So make sure you listen to that episode. I also have a link to my website I can put on there too if you would prefer to read about Genie Plus. But that is my number one tip is understand how to use it because when you do, it really makes a huge difference in your wait times. But if you don't know how to use it and you're just booking them in any random order, you're going to end up not being able to get on as many attractions as you could if you knew how to use it correctly. Also, if that's overwhelming to you, I do have a few touring plans on my website that utilize Genie Plus that you can download. So I'll put a link to those as well. You can just download them. They have a step-by-step -step guide for your park day. So it's really easy to use. And then you know you're using Genie Plus the correct way. I thought this question was fun. Have you met any celebrities at Disneyland? 
and I have not, but I almost got to see Johnny Depp at Disneyland. I was so close. I know I've told this story on here before, but a few years back, I was at Disneyland with some friends. We were having a great time. We went to watch the parade over by It's a Small World, and we got there about 15 minutes before it started, and I expected to see huge crowds everywhere, but there was hardly anyone there, like to the point that we walked up and sat on a bench, and we watched the whole parade from a bench, and I kept thinking, where is everybody? We are like getting the best parade views ever, and we've obviously stumbled upon some secret here over at Small World watching the parade. Um, it turns out I was wrong. And the reason that there was no one watching the parade is because Johnny Depp was dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow and he was on the attraction. You've probably seen videos. He was on the attraction. As people are floating by, he's talking to them. And then he came out over on the balcony of 21 Royal and was greeting all of the guests and talking to them dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow. So everybody at the park was over watching Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, except for me. I was over sitting on a bench near It's a Small World watching the parade. And it wasn't until the parade was over I was looking on social media and I was like, oh my gosh, Johnny Depp is here and we're over at Small World. I think we walked over there. By the time we got over there, it was all over. I missed the whole thing. So I almost got to see Johnny Depp at Disneyland. And that's really the closest I've come. How cool would it have been to meet, to like see Johnny Depp on Pirates of the Caribbean? I think about it every time we go on that ride. Every time. So close, but still so far away. This question made me think, and it's really kind of tricky for me to answer. Top three off-site hotels to stay at. Top three. Oh, man. So tricky. I love Hojo. It's one of my favorites. And I think the reason that I love it is I go there so often that it just feels like a second home to me. So it feels very familiar. I'm always very comfortable comfortable when I'm there. I've never had any issues. So I really do love Hojo. Plus it's so close. I can walk easily to and from the parks. So I do love Hojo. I also really love Cambria right now. Cambria has been a top pick of mine for the last few months because there are so many great things about it. They have larger rooms. So if you have a larger family or group, you can fit everybody in one room. They have full kitchens in the room. They have two like showers in the room, which is amazing. So people can get ready quickly and easily. They have a great pool and a water park. So they have a splash pad. They do poolside movies. They have water slides. They also have free breakfast and they have Mickey waffles with their breakfast. So I love that. In their parking lot, there are several different restaurants as well. So if you're coming to, you know, back to the hotel and you didn't eat dinner in the parks or you want to grab a Starbucks or something, they have Starbucks and they have a Hawaiian place and a burger place. And I think a, like a smoothie place. I can't remember what all they have in that little parking lot, but it's so convenient and easy to have a bunch of different food options right there. They are not close enough to walk. Well, I mean, technically you could, but I would not recommend it. But the art shuttle does pick up right across the street so you can easily get to the parks. So I really do love Cambria. If you stay at Cambria, you might want a day to just hang out at the hotel. You might want a rest day. 
over at Cambria because your kids are going to see that water park and they're just going to want to stay there and not do anything else. So it's the perfect hotel to have a lot to do if you're having a rest day. So I love Hojo. I love Cambria. And there's lots of other ones that I love. If I have to pick, I still love, love the best Western Park Place Inn right across the street from Disneyland just because of the location. It's so amazing. It's the closest hotel you can get to Disneyland. And they have a free breakfast, which I'm always huge on a free breakfast, especially when you have a family. We have six people and buying breakfast is expensive. So if we don't have to pay for a meal, it's amazing. I love a free breakfast. They have larger suites that can fit our whole family that can fit six. So I do like that. And like I said, the location is amazing. Now the best Western is popular because it's so close. If you want to stay there, usually you have to book uh, quite far in advance, especially if you're visiting at more popular times. So a few years ago, we stayed there over Thanksgiving and we booked that a year out. So if you want to stay at Best Western anytime next year, now's the time to book your reservations because it will book up quickly. So I'm going to put a link to those three places Oh man, should I put more links? I probably should. I feel bad talking about my favorites because there's, it's like asking to pick your favorite kid because you have, you like lots of things about lots of hotels. I mean, I do. So those are my top three. If you're going to make me pick, I'll put a link to them in the show notes and I'll probably also throw some more links. Just, just look in there and see what's there. <laughs> It'll be a surprise. Next question says, I want to take my kids to Universal Studios Hollywood. Do you think they'll like it? It depends on how old your kids are. If you have little tiny kids, if your kids ride in a stroller, uh, they're not really going to like Universal Studios. There's not much for them to do there. We didn't take our kids until my youngest was in kindergarten. I think she was in kindergarten or first grade, but she was old enough to ride on most of the attractions. And then that was the perfect time for us to go. So if you have tiny kids, there's really not a lot for them to do. It's not like Disneyland where there's like ride after ride after ride that your little kids can enjoy. Universal Studios is more of a big kid, teenager, adult park. So when you're visiting, you're not going to see very many strollers. And that's because people don't take their little kids there. So if you have older kids, if you have tweens and teenagers, they're going to love it. There's so much for them to do there. There's bigger rides. So they're going to love it. But little kids, no. If you want more Universal Studios Hollywood info, I've got a ton of information. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Next question. I don't know what number we're on, but the next one says, what are some in-park things to do for downtime during peak crowd hours? This is an awesome question. So I always recommend that people take a break, whether that means heading back to your hotel and taking a nap or going swimming or staying in the park. Usually when I'm there with my family, we take a break in the park because I don't want to waste of the time going back to the hotel unless we're staying somewhere really close like the Hojo or the Best Western across the street. So if we're staying in the park, we like to take a break and just have some downtime because kids get grouchy, parents get grouchy, and it's nice to just kind of have a chill break 
So there's lots of things you can do. Seeing a show is always a great idea. If you have little kids going to see the Disney Junior Show in California Adventure, you can do the Animation Academy in California Adventure and draw a character. You could go watch Turtle Talk with Crutch or Mickey's Magic. Those are all great options over in California Adventure. Plus, there's Redwood Creek Challenge Trail where your kids can kind of just roam and you can just relax a little bit. Any place that you don't have to stand in line is a great idea. Over at Disneyland, there is the Disneyland Railroad, which is my favorite way to take a break. I like to get a drink and some popcorn and just hang out on the train. It's 20 minutes round trip. It's a really nice way to take a break. I also really like watching great moments with Mr. Lincoln over at Disneyland, watching Tale of the Lion King, or you can always go over to Thomas Sawyer Island, Pirate's Lair. That is a really great way to take a break because your kids can run and explore and not have to wait in a line or anything like that. So that's a great place as well. There's so many options. I mean, even if you just have a dining reservation later in the day around one or two, sitting in a restaurant with air conditioning and table service is a nice way to have a break too. So whatever your break looks like, is fine, but I definitely recommend you do take a break. Everyone's going to feel better, and it's a nice kind of pause in your day. Tell me about Rider Switch. How does it work? I'm going with little ones soon. Okay, Rider Switch is the best thing in the entire world. You're going to love it. It basically allows someone to wait with younger kids or kids who don't want to ride on an attraction, an adult, to wait with them while the rest of your group rides, and then you switch places. And the person who was waiting can take up to three guests total and go through the lightning lane and ride on the attraction without having to wait in the standby line again. So this is a great option for people with little kids because you don't want to miss out on riding the attraction because you're stuck watching the stroller, right? So this is a great way for everybody to experience the attraction who wants to. So really, it kind of depends on the ride and Disney changes things up. If you just ask the cast member at the entrance to the attraction about Rider Switch, they're going to tell you how it works for that attraction. They're going to help you out and figure it all out for you. I have a whole guide to using Rider Switch. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but make sure you use it. If you have small children, it's the best. This question is one I get asked all the time. Do we need a reservation for Plaza Inn if we're going in the afternoon? No, you do not need reservations for Plaza Inn. I've had people tell me that they've been going to Disneyland for years and years and they've always wanted to eat at Plaza Inn for dinner, but they've never been able to get reservations. And I'm always like, well, the reason you're not able to get reservations is because they don't have reservations. <laughs> So there are only reservations available for the character dining portion that is just for breakfast at Plaza Inn. So lunch and dinner are just open to everyone. And there is tons of seating. It's kind of a cafeteria style restaurant where you can go through with your tray and pick what you want. And the fried chicken is amazing. The biscuits are amazing. And they always have cake there. And you know how I feel about cake. The cake is amazing. So definitely go to Plaza Inn. I feel like, I mean, it is a quick service because you're going through and serving yourself, but the food is more than you would expect from a quick service. The food that you're getting is more of kind of a table service food. You're just picking it up yourself and seating yourself and there is no waiter. So it qualifies as a quick service, but it tastes like a table service, if that makes sense. Very good. Definitely add it to your list. 
This is another question I get often, and actually this topic is really popular on my blog. It's one of my most popular articles. The question says, are there weight restrictions at Disneyland for certain attractions? I'm plus size and worried I'll miss out. So I get this question all the time, and it's definitely one that people worry about a lot. But Disneyland and all the Disney parks, I'm happy to announce, are very friendly of all body shapes and sizes. So most people are able to ride on most attractions. There are a few exceptions where people may have a little bit of trouble getting in and out of certain attractions, and I've noted those on this post on my website. So I'm going to put a link to that. You can check that out. But you can feel very confident going to Disneyland that you're going to be able to ride most things no matter what size or shape your body is. Oh, here's another hard question. Favorite questions are so difficult. What is your favorite quick service dining option? So tricky. It really depends on my mood. It depends on what I feel like. I love, love Bengal barbecue. That one's always good. I love them. They have meat skewers and they have this rice plate that comes with two meat skewers and rice and this coleslaw. That I don't I don't usually like coleslaw, but this is in a mayo-based coleslaw. And it's kind of got this citrus dressing on it, but it's very good. So I love Bengal barbecue. I feel like I'm eating healthier-ish when I'm at Disneyland and I eat Bengal barbecue. I also love the Golden Horseshoe. That is a great option because lately I have been loving mozzarella sticks. I don't know what it is, but they are so good. And they have a mozzarella stick meal over at the Golden Horseshoe. So you get fries and mozzarella sticks. It's like a meal. It's basically just a giant snack, but it is so good. So I do like Golden Horseshoe over at California Adventure. Cocina Cucamonga has my favorite quesabaria tacos. Those are delicious. I always love those. There's really so many options. There's yummy pizza. There's great, there's great things everywhere. Because I run into this question a lot and because I have a hard time answering it, I made a printable for California Adventure and one for Disneyland that has every single quick service option on it. And then it has a little note whether you can mobile order or not. And then it has some of the top menu items from that quick service restaurant along with the price. And I've had great luck with this printable because what I'll do is if I'm at Disneyland with my kids, they don't know all the options. And when I'm like, hey, what should we have for lunch? They're like, what is there? And then my mind goes blank, right? And so I pull out this printable and I hand it to them and I say, here's the options at Disneyland. And it has it based on like the land. So you can kind of see what's available where you're at. And then the kids can quickly scan the list or your husband or your wife, whoever, you can quickly scan the list and see what sounds good to them. And you can also see how much it's going to cost. So I really love this printable. I think it's very helpful. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes so you can print it out. Hopefully it will be helpful for you too. And you can kind of get an idea because maybe your kid only wants a corn dog. And so you're wondering, where am I going to get a corn dog? Well, it's there on the list, or maybe they only want mac and cheese. I've got it on the list. I've got you covered. It's very helpful. Okay, last question, number 20. Any specific time a cast member went above and beyond? I love this question, and I have so many different times. A lot of them I've already shared, but when I was at Disneyland just a couple of weeks ago, then we were eating over in California Adventure, and my friend had ordered something that she didn't really like, and she wasn't really eating much of it. Um, and a cast member walked by, and he said, oh, is everyone enjoying their food? And we were like, yeah, thanks. 
you know, like you do. She wasn't going to say, no, I don't like this. But he noticed she hadn't eaten very much of it. And he said, you haven't really eaten that. Do you not like it? And she said, not really. It's not really what I thought it was going to be. And instead of, we thought, I mean, I didn't even know what I thought he would do, but I didn't think that he would take her plate and say, don't worry about this. I'm going to go and get you something different. He said, what do you want? And she was like, I don't know. And he said, actually, never mind. I'm going to surprise you. And he went and brought her a whole different plate of food and gave it to her, just swapped it out and gave her something different that she liked much better. And I thought that was very sweet of him. He did not need to do that because she got what she ordered. Like they didn't mess up. Disney didn't mess up. She just didn't love it. And this cast member went above and beyond to bring her something different because he knew it would make her trip more enjoyable. So I thought that was very sweet. But every time I go, there's always a cast member or two who goes above and beyond. I really like the Disneyland app because there's a place you can leave cast member compliments. So if there is a cast member that goes above and beyond, you can go in and tell Disney about it. And this really helps cast members out. Then the managers are notified and they get awards and they can get promotions and things like that based on cast member compliments. So if you have a situation where a cast member goes above and beyond, get on the Disneyland app, just search for cast member compliments and it will pop right up and you can fill it out. And it really makes a difference to those cast members who have made a difference in your Disney day. All right. I think that's it. I think I did 20. I didn't actually count them as I went along, but I'm pretty sure that was 20 questions. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that was entertaining. Man, I got the giggles a couple times and I'm sorry about that. Oh, next week I am heading back to Disneyland to do the Oogie Boogie Bash and I am very excited. I have my costume all planned out. It's going to be cute. So I'm going with my friend. We're going to go to Oogie Boogie Bash and then we're going to enjoy a couple of days at Disneyland. So I can't wait for that. And I think that's about it. That's all I've got, except for peaches, peaches and apples and Disneyland. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. You're the best. I appreciate you being here. I will be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.